0: It ends in the Luzhniki, Denmark nil, France nil.
1: The streak is
0: over.
1: Hello, welcome to 52 Years, a World Cup podcast. I'm Richard Carey. And we're going to be recapping all the games that happened in the last group stage matches from Groups A to D. I'm actually recording this as the Group D game is going on between Nigeria and Argentina. It's currently 1-1 and Croatia are 1-0 in the lead against Iceland. So I'll be giving you updates of that throughout the show, as well as recapping what happened between Peru and Australia, Denmark and France... Iran and Portugal, Spain and Morocco, Saudi Arabia, Egypt and Uruguay and Russia, and give you the final tables and my thoughts on what's going to happen going forward. Let's have a bit of World Cup news. World Cup news! A new ball is going to be used for the knockout stages of the tournament. Um, FIFA has announced the Telstar. Mekta will replace the Telstar 18, the ADS ball that is used throughout the group stage. Uh, The ball comes with a vivid red design, meaning it's really serious, uh, which is inspired by the host station's colours and the rising heat of knockout stage football. Mekta translates as Dream in Russian and the new ball will be used for the first time on Saturday. New balls, please. Steve Mandana, the France goalkeeper, who's been in the French squad at Euro 2008, Euro 2012, Euro 2016 and the World Cup 2010, uh, actually got a game finally. He's been the substitute keeper for all that time. But today's match against Denmark was his first appearance at a major tournament. So congratulations to Steve. So we'll start with Group C. There were two results today. It was We had the first nil-nil draw, the streak is over, my friends. After thirty-eight games we have a nil-nil draw, one nil-nil draw. It's between Denmark and France, which apparently was the worst game of the tournament so far. Very few opportunities, very few much if anything going on. I think France had about one shot and that was it. France don't look that good. Denmark just knew what they needed to do and they did it. It's kinda disappointing really, after so many games without a 0-0 draw that we couldn't just have got to the end of the group stage without a 0-0, but hey. And in the other game in Group C, it was Australia versus Peru. Now, Australia needed to win to have any chance of qualifying, but they didn't because Peru weren't. Uh, Carrillo got a goal on the 18th minute and Guerrero got the second on the 50th minute. There were some pretty decent goals, actually. The first goal was a cross and it was quite, quite a wide shot and drilled in. And Guerrero's got an interesting backstory. He actually had a 14-month drug ban, which was overturned. Then he turned up in the World Cup and actually scored. It's, it's Peru's first um, time they've been ahead in the World Cup and won a World Cup game since 1978. So they've waited 40 years just to win a game. And England think it's bad that they've waited 52 years without winning the thing. So I've got to give props to Peru, but you know they, they took they took too long to get their shooting boots on. I mean, they had those... Good attacking performances against Denmark and against France. They should have got some goals there, but it took them to the third game to actually score, which is disappointing from their standpoint. But Let's hope they come back a bit stronger. Actually, there was an interesting thing, that Farfan wasn't playing in this game because he had a serious brain injury. So um, we wish Farfan well, and I hope that's not nothing absolutely serious, although it does sound pretty bad. So the Group C table... At the top, it's France. They had a goal difference of 2 and 7 points. Denmark was second with a goal difference of 1 and 5 points. Peru, third, with no goal difference, 3 points. And Australia, rock bottom, minus 3 and 1 point. Goal! Oh, in the other game, Iceland have got an equaliser. A Goodison penalty on the 76th minute. Let me guess, it went to VAR. Yeah, handball in the penalty area. And Iceland are one wad so if Iceland score again this could get a bit interesting Now let's talk about Group B and that means we have to go to our VAR watch <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Oh boy did VAR have a lot to do last night and perhaps that was a problem with the referees actually the referees always referring to VAR or using it in an incorrect manner uh, so it became controversial. In the Iran-Portugal game there were two penalties given and one was given solely by VAR Well, with, with the referee um, having another look at it. The first one Portugal got a, a pretty you know, it was. It, was a, it shouldn't. I don't think it shouldn't have been a penalty. Cristiano Ronaldo um, stood up to take it. And they actually missed it. It was saved. It was also a VAR review for Cristiano Ronaldo potentially getting a red card, and it took a long time to actually come to a decision. But they decided it would be a yellow in the end. And then Iran got a penalty very late in the game, and because of a handball in the box. I was watching on the BBC, and the, and the commentators, particularly Mark Lawrenson, who has been very. Criti- critical of VAR was having a go at it, and but it was a handball. He did hit his hand. I know he was like he was like two centimeters away, but it was a handball. So I think a penalty was fine. So they gave the penalty, and it was scored, and that equalised it for ran- Iran. They had a chance straight after that, and they could have actually gone through had they scored that one. So Ricardo Quaresma, uh, my namesake in Portugal, got the the uh, first goal for Portugal on the stroke of half time. It was all all in stoppage time, wasn't it? And Safad, on the the third minute of stoppage time from the penalty spot, uh, got the goal back for Iran, and 1-1 is how it ended. So Portugal, who were, until that VAR penalty, going to go through as the uh, group winners, ended up coming second in the group. And that was also to do with the other game as well, between Spain and Morocco, which also had some VAR controversy. In the 90th minute Igor uh, Aspas uh, scored a equaliser But they ruled it initially as offside And they took it to VAR And they reviewed it And you can actually see That Aspas was just about onside So I thought it was a good call uh, One of the Morocco players I'm not sure who it was um, Actually... Mind, I'm, I'm going to swear here I don't usually swear on this, on this podcast but I think it's necessary he mined that VAR was bullshit basically that's what he said actually he said it VAR was bullshit um, after the he's very disappointed with that goal was Morocco did have a really good game here and actually took the game to Spain a little bit had them on the back foot twice with were well, 1-0 in the lead and then 2-1 in the lead and you know they were probably denied a pretty historic victory um Boutib scored on the 14th minute to make it 1-0 to Morocco. Uh, then Isco equalised on the 19th. El Nezri on the 81st with a terrific header from a corner to make it 2-1 to Morocco. And as I said before, the Aspas goal in the first minute of stoppage time made it 2-2 in the end and just about secured Spain's uh, winning of the group on goals scored. But VAR had a very busy night last night. And it does make you think, you know, they've got to tweak how the referees use it. And also, it does seem to be between referee and referee, it varies a lot. And you saw in that Portugal game, there's so many stoppages because of uh, it got a bit ridiculous at times. So, how did Group B finish? Uh, Spain were top with uh, plus one goal difference, five points. Portugal second, plus one goal difference as well, but one less goal scored. And five points. Iran, fourth, uh, Iran, third, sorry, um, goal difference none, points four, and Morocco at last, minus two goal difference and one point. So I put a poll out on my Twitter at 52 years World Cup a little bit earlier to ask people what they thought about VAR, whether they thought it was a a very good idea, a very bad idea, or uh, VAR from Gehring. So the results are in um, 100% for uh, it's very good. And we've got some comments here from at Rufus B. Mello. In all seriousness, though, it should be judged by how the ref VAR team use it. Uh, some games it's been used well, but last night, Iran, Portugal, it was dismal. Uh, and then Jacob Christabel says promising talent has a way to go before sending to main event status. Mostly positive of our, uh, even if the BBC are uh, biased against VAR. Typical BBC, what can I say? Let's go to Group A. So the hosts, Russia, uh, faced Uruguay, which was pretty much a deciding game of who would finish the group top. And Russia obviously had a very good opening two games. Scored eight goals, won two comfortable wins to get them through to the next round. Uruguay sort of struggled a little bit uh, but did get two wins so how would this pan out? Well it turned out it was a good day for Uruguay as they steamrolled the hosts 3-0 and perhaps it was uh, the biggest challenge for the host as of yet and that has um, shown perhaps their weakness going into the knockout stages. Uh, Luis Suarez put Uruguay in the lead on the 10th minute with a very sort of uh, I'd say tactical free kick. He put it low into the right-hand corner, and actually, I think it was Inashevich was sort of taking out the, the the wall at the same time, and that was a bit strange. and I think the keeper was supposed to get the hint so he could actually see where the ball was going, and then he didn't take the hint, and it went in. Uh, Laxit uh, scored the second from 25 yards out, and then. Russia ended up getting a red card. Smolikov was sent off for two yellow cards on the 36th minute. And on the 90th minute, Cavani, who had a bit of a frustrating day, finally managed to uh, break his duck at the World Cup with a goal on the 90th minute. And ended 3-0 to Uruguay, a comfortable performance by them, who finished top of the group. Uh, Very strong position to be in, usually. You know, I do think this exposes Russia as a not 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 in any sort of political way, as they might be exposed for various things, but uh, exposes them as a slightly weaker side, and they're going to have an interesting game now. That they, they will, I will talk about the knockout games in a minute. Well done to Uruguay, nine points out of nine, the maximum amount. You don't always get that at the World Cup, but uh, Uruguay have managed it so well. Done to them. Goal! An update from Group D. Argentina have just scored, and um, Maradona just flipped the bird. Uh, the double middle fingers by Maradona was quickly cut away on screen. Um, I'm trying to work out who scored it. It wasn't Messi again, was it? Is it Rojo? Of all people, Marcus Rojo scored it. <laughs> the I suppose you could call it the third-place playoff game in Group A was between Saudi Arabia and Egypt, this went quite surprisingly. Uh, Mo Salah got the opener for Egypt on the 22nd minute. He just dinked it over the keeper. And you know, uh, I, he looked a little bit more fit in this game than he did in the previous one. Uh, there was a penalty to Saudi Arabia. The fact that there was actually two penalties to Saudi Arabia, because one was saved by El Hadri, who was 45 years old, the oldest player to feature at the World Cup, and actually saved a penalty. But the second time, Al Faraj scored a penalty And it was 1-1 on the stroke of half-time. Then, in stoppage time, Al Aldoussari scored the winner for Saudi Arabia. Which is quite a shock, really, because it was their first World Cup win since 1994. And Egypt haven't actually won a game, I don't think, at the World Cup. They definitely seem like a team that lacks that confidence. And there is rumours that Mo Salah is actually going to retire from international football. Should put a bit of a spanner in their works when it comes to uh, the future of Egypt because they did at least they qualify for this tournament, that's always a big bonus. Uh, but they haven't really done anything, even with the quality of a Salah. They're not really like Portugal, who have managed to build their team around their star player yet. Maybe in time they'll get there if Salah wants to stick around. Goal! Uh oh, it's looking like Croatia's gonna get the goal. They're gonna get it. Oh, that's it, they've killed it. They've killed it. Perisic just scored. Oh no, Iceland are out, Iceland are out, Croatia going with the 9 points out of 9, and that's very, very good news for Argentina, presuming they can hang on here, they're in the 89th minute now, it's 2-1 Argentina, so all they have to do is win now. Let's look at the final Group A standings, it's uh, Uruguay top that with a goal difference of 5 and 9 points, Russia in second, goal difference of 4 and 6 points. Saudi Arabia third with minus five goal difference and three points, and Egypt last in minus four goal difference, no points. Very high scoring group there. You see you know, plus fives, plus fours, minus fives. It, you know, a lot of goals going at both ends. Perhaps so that says something about the defenses. Apart from Uruguay, who I don't think let in any goals at all. So, Uruguay will face Portugal, and Spain will face Russia. So Uruguay-Portugal should be a very tasty tie, um, some controversial names on both sides, like Luis Suarez and Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, that could really go either way, and then you've got Russia versus Spain, and you would say the Spanish should have the quality, although they've definitely had their uh, issues at the back, that's for sure, I mean, David De Gea I think has only saved one shot in the entire tournament, which is a bit worrying for his standards. Oh, the final whistle's gone between Iceland and Croatia. Ended uh, Iceland one, Croatia two, and it's just about a minute left in the Nigeria Argentina game. It's uh, Ar- Nigeria one, Argentina two. So Argentina have somehow got themselves out of jail and seem to be going through. So to recap, the Iceland Croatia game, Baldesh uh, made it one 0 to Croatia on the 53rd minute. Uh, Sigurdsson um, equalised with a 76 minute penalty And Perisic got the winner On the 90th minute To make it 2-1 to Croatia He's just blown the whistle That's it And somehow Argentina have got themselves out of jail Bailed themselves out of it They are through Unbelievable But they will be playing France next So that's something Just to recap this game um, Messi got the goal uh, to bring Argentina the lead on the 14th minute, then Moses equalised with a 51st minute penalty, and and then Rojo, as I said, uh, picked up the winner on the 86th minute. So ended Nigeria one, Argentina two. What a dramatic night uh, for this uh, this group, Group D, which I always thought before the tournament was a group of death, and it definitely seemed to pay off like that. Um, you know, one point Nigeria going through. One point Iceland might be getting back into it and going through. And then look like Argentina going through. Then look like Nigeria going through. Then look like then was Argentina going through and Diego Maradona is going mad. I can give you the final Group D table. It looks like this: uh, Croatia on top with six goal difference and nine points. They join Uruguay as getting the maximum nine out of nine. Argentina was second, minus two goal difference, four points. Nigeria, third, minus one goal difference, three points. Iceland, bottom, minus three goal difference, one point. How different would it have been if Iceland had actually beaten Nigeria? I think they probably would have qualified. But there you go, there was one slip too far for them. And we can give you the uh, knockout games, which will be Croatia versus uh, Denmark... And Argentina versus France. So that's going to be an interesting tie. Argentina versus France on paper looks a great game, but in reality might be really, really boring. Let's hope it's a good one. Let's hope. Let's let's be positive and hope for the good stuff, shall we? Well, thanks for joining me today uh, on this edition of Fifty Two Years a World Cup podcast. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at Fifty Two Years World Cup. You can. Uh, Subscribe to us on iTunes or find us on SoundCloud. It's 52 years World Cup. And thank you for listening. We'll be back after the England game to talk about the remaining games in the group stages. And we'll be previewing the knockout phase and how all that's going to go down. Until then, uh, I bid you adieu. And thank you for joining me tonight on a dramatic night of football.
0: Danish disgrace. And how stupid are the Denmark players? What a bunch of fools. They didn't even realize they had the chance to win the group and probably avoid Croatia. And we can only hope that these two frauds. Get humiliated and knocked out in the round of 16. This wasn't a tactical stalemate. It wasn't two teams cancelling each other out. It was two sides not bothering to try to score a goal with any kind of professional conviction. It just fell short of any suggestions of collusion. But at the end of it all, France and Denmark just walked around being useless for virtually the whole 90 minutes. And what do you know? Both of them went through. What a load of rubbish. The most fitting epitaph I can attach to this garbage is that it was like watching old England at a tournament. Truly terrible. When two Danish players decided to actually break into a run, they crashed into each other. Useless. France and Denmark have brought shame on themselves in an otherwise brilliant world cup and the fans inside the Luzhniki let them know you'll have heard the uncomfortable atmosphere on talks throughout the commentary for me and Danta. loud booing virtually throughout the second half and especially at full time I think some of the uh, Danish fans in their red shirts had red faces as well embarrassed by their team pleased that they've gone through but they'll have been embarrassed by this tonight. Every single Danish player and the manager should apologise to the fans who paid for this nonsense, whether Danish, French or neutral, and apologise to FIFA. What kind of football lover, football professional, comes to a World Cup and refuses to play? casper Schmeichel currently clapping the fans. He was booting the ball out of play all game. Useless. In front of his dad as well. What an absolute disgrace to football this has been.